everyone, and welcome to the In My Defense podcast, where I am on vacation. If I don't know if you could tell by the fact that we missed a week, and I definitely sound different than I usually do because I am not recording from my usual space and setup. But I wanted to make sure that we didn't go more than one week without putting out a new episode. So that's what we have here this week on the podcast. I have on my guest, Miss Ayel, who is here to talk about geopolitics, which is an incredibly fascinating subject when discussing the geography and politics worldwide of different nations. And this is one of those conversations that makes me feel very smart by just just by having them uh not to not to hate on the more geeky subjects but when you know you sit down you start talking about geopolitics it does make you feel a little bit more refined i feel like uh i should have had uh, i don't know a cup of tea with this podcast but Anyways, uh, Miss Ayo was a great guest. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, there will not be a new episode coming out next week because, you know, vacation time and recording made it a little bit more difficult. But don't worry, the In My Defense podcast will be back soon with several more recordings bringing geeks week to week. Uh, remember, if you want to be on the show, check out the website, send us an email for feedback, leave us five-star ratings on iTunes. But in the meantime, let's get into this geopolitical episode with Messiah. So, I am here with one of my good friends, Miss Ayel Garcia. Miss Ayel, say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. Hi, Christian. How are you? And we are here to discuss a topic of Miss Ayel's choosing of geopolitics. And Miss Ayel, before we get started, do you want to explain, like, maybe what geopolitics is and why you wanted to talk about this subject in particular? Uh, yes. Uh, why I want to talk about geopolitics, uh, I, th- I think, it's something uh, very personal. Uh, I was born in here in the States, but I was raised in Mexico. And seeing the political change uh, in Mexico and then coming to the States and seeing the political change um, going from in Mexico, um, the party that ruled for 70 years was kicked out and everyone expected to uh, Mexico, uh, Mexico to go better. And then now in 2018, they, they chose a... Mexican Donald Trump. And then coming to the States uh, in 2007, seeing um, uh, Obama winning the presidential election and everyone sharing that that was the end of, uh, I mean, just in general, uh, of racism and many things that, you know, from we, we're just going to go from here up. And then in 2016, seeing Donald Trump winning the presidency. And so it's like seeing from, uh, it's like, why why is this happening? Like for me, it's like, uh, I mean, uh, I'm really interested in the human aspect. Why is this happening? And watching the news, there was no answer to that. So you saw like, so when you were growing up and seeing stuff happening on the news, you saw these weird, maybe not weird, but like kind of like uh, surprising changes in the political landscape and the way that people live their lives. And you kind of like, why is this? And so you thought to yourself, like, what 
I mean, why why does this happen? Is it just because of people, or is or is it other aspects of our lives that are kind of affecting how we think? So, what what effect does geopolitics have on us then? Like, is because from what I understand, it geopolitics is is it, take if I, when you break that word apart, like geo meaning world and politics being what they are, you think it ju- it would just mean like politics on a world scale, but that's not really it, right? Like geopolitics has to do with how geo- actual geography and how the placement and sizes of certain countries around the world can actually affect how they interact with each other. Is that is that am I am I on like on the right track there when I kind of like describe it define it that way? Yes, you're in the right track. According to Google Translate, geopolitics is politics, especially international relations, as influenced by geographical factors. So. Uh, we divide geopolitics in two parts is geography and politics. And we know that geography is the study of Earth's feature valleys, mountains, deserts, rivers, all of that. And politics. And politics, uh, according to the Western Dictionary, is the art or is the science of government. So anything that has to do how to lead a government, how to lead people. And so I think that um, when we talk about geopolitics, many people just want to focus on the land. Okay, so we have this piece of land, you draw a line, this is this country, this is country, and that's how uh, this country is going to interact. And I think that's how many people see, like try to think, okay, so Mexico has, uh, you know, for example, Mexico uh, has the, uh, the border with the United States and the border with um with Guatemala. Uh, therefore, it can be a link between them. But uh, what we see is that the U.S. uses Mexico as a extension of the border to keep uh, people from South America out, right? Mm-hmm. So, so like what? So, what geopolitics tends to cover is that like. Mexico isn't Mexico if it's in another place. Like it's because of Mexico's position, because of its placement on a map. And where the borders get drawn up is how it is. It 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 feels like it's it'd be like, um, what's the word for it? Second nature to know this stuff, like to know that oh well, of course, like this country wouldn't be this country if it was in the same place, if it was somewhere else in the world. But you would think like if the United States, if the United States was in Europe, or if the United States was in Asia, uh, but it had the same history, you would think it would be the same country. But that's not true. It's like it's because it's because of this particular position that the country is what it is, and only a country that was in this particular place could have gone through these actual events in its history. Um, it's kind of like what I'm trying, what I'm, what I'm like realizing that uh, it, it doesn't seem like something that you would re- that you would have to that unless you were thinking about it that you would actually come to terms with. Yeah, and and yeah, you're you're exactly right. Uh, the placement, uh, the geographical features of each country affect how that country that gives them an order of how that country is going to interact. But the, the part that a lot of people forget is also the people because people tend to to work in a certain way right and and i uh, i like to cover this part first because if if, if we forget if, if we only focus on the geographical features we're we're going to forget the, the the people's perspective right mm-hmm. and and then it's like well if mexico has so many resources why is is it so is, is there still so much, so much violence right um and so um these part of people, and this is where um, I would like to ask for empathy. It's called uh, love of one's zone. 
right? We are all born out of a family of a, a mother and uh, and a father. Uh, that fa- uh, that mother and father, uh, they gave us language, they gave us culture, they gave us a religion, and they gave us a community. When we grow up, we can choose to embrace it, we can choose to deny it, we can choose to get away from it. But we cannot deny that we are influenced by uh, we were uh, by the people by where we were raised. Now, what does that mean? This means that, uh, like, being empathetic to to a person, like, um, like uh, in in this sense of what drives a Karen to uh, to want to talk to the manager. Right? <laughs> that, 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 that's probably the main question of what geopolitical uh, geopolitics tries to answer. What drives a Karen to to talk to the manager. If we put it like in more technical terms, why someone is going to vote for a Donald Trump? Mm-hmm. Um, why? Because based on their on how uh, that person grows up, is going to be how that person is going to choose their leaders, uh, choose what to do, choose what to buy. And those things lead uh, the government to interact with its people and with other countries in a, in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. The, we've, I mean, we had an election recently or depending on when someone might be listening to this episode and we saw that people who tend to vote a certain way are people who, who it, it's it, 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 the, the fact that like blue, blue, blue states tend to be the ones with the largest populations is an accident, right? Like, even if you look at like, uh, we're both from Florida. If you, if you look at the, the map of Florida during the election, uh, Florida barely went red. And most of the places that were blue on that map were the places where there were universities and large cities, uh, places where a lot of people congregated and were interacting with each other. And then you find it and you tend to find that in more rural places, uh, are the ones where people kind of like vote red and are more concerned with their own uh, personal, maybe not personal agendas is the best word, but basically like their, their points of view are challenged much less often because there, there's not there's not as much deferring beliefs in rural areas where there's less people and 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 we've seen history since the since the beginning of civilizations that people tend to the places where people most people go tend to be coastal areas near rivers uh and 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 those kind of things and those are usually the biggest cities in the world are the ones that sit on the water islands uh, manhattan is on an island and new york city is right there on the east coast Cal- uh, la and california uh Miami, uh, Jack Jacksonville, like all, the, all these kind of places are, are just these huge cities that sit in places where people have been congregating for a thousand years at this point. Yeah, exactly. And and that's like uh, where um, th- there is two parts to this. Um, <laughs> so um, the first part is, um, yeah, a, a river, of course, because um, it, grace, it brings more people because a river makes easier to trade just uh is 70 times 70 what seven zero 70 times more expensive to send something by truck assuming the there is infrastructure than to send anything by boat therefore rivers tend to be where people congregate and you know that brings a, uh, a variety of people and that makes a city because you know a metropolis uh, being able to accept better ideas. But at the same time, uh, uh, now, and in, in, again, like uh, being empathetic to um, the right-wing 
side. Uh, they, uh, they're not just being challenged by uh, by what they believe, and you know, and confronted that sometimes uh, what they believe is you know wrong. But they're also uh, at least for the last six to eight years they have been shamed by what they believe now because you're christian right and, and just generalizing just because you're a christian person then that means uh you're an uh anti-gay or anti-abortion or uh or just because you believe in in your religion uh that means you're, you're a bigot now is that right or wrong uh that's not the point the point is that since you feel attacked you're gonna go more to to your extreme Right. I will. I will say, um, while while you're right that there are plenty of people that credit that make assumptions about uh, right wing right winged folks and people that live in like rural areas and farmers and people that live out in the boonies, I'm I'm sure there are people that make their assumptions about those kind of people. But most of the people who tell them that they're being criticized are people that are already on their side because I mean there there are plenty of people in this world that make a profit out of, out of telling people. Who believe a certain way that that oh yeah we don't believe what you think is wrong it's those other people that believe what you think is wrong and they're the ones that you need to go against and of course because those people don't have a lot of interactions with a lot of diverse opinions uh just by nature of where they live it it, it makes it difficult for them to question what they're being told and 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 and, and again I, I am i am sympathetic to that because it, it's not it's not purely an american problem but i can only speak from that perspective but it is very hard to travel in America. It is very difficult to get to places. America is huge. Uh, there is there are large swaths of people that exist all across this gigantic landmass. And it, and like if for me personally, if I wanted, if I like, it's not like in Europe. Europe, you can you can take a train to go to another country, and you'll be there in in, a, in an hour. Uh, in in, mo- in most in most countries in Europe, it's super easy to expose yourselves to someone who speaks a different language, someone who doesn't know your language at all, to a whole different culture, and you can do that in an afternoon when you're living in Europe. You can't do that here in the states. If I wanted to leave to go to some place where no one spoke English, it would cost me a thousand dollars, like just flat out, just to go there. It, it like uh, it's not something that can that would be easily accessible for me personally to do, and it's not really something that most people in the country can do. So. Of, so that that I think that's why we have like this like this American accept, exceptionalism thing that happens, where the stereotype of the the the, the stupid American, the, the the one who the the you know we the tourists the tourists who go from Kansas and they fly to France and they get and they get and they get shit for wearing their red white and blue American flags and 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 trying to tip the waiter and doing things that are considered inappropriate in another country because again it might be going going to going to another country and, and introducing yourself to a whole different culture might be a once in a lifetime opportunity for a good chunk of the population here and i imagine that's something that it can ha- that happens in other places too but i can only speak from my perspective yeah okay um yes uh it's easier to travel in europe but we uh we cannot forget that i mean um what like three four years ago uh there was a brexit and yeah and there, there is the um greece is is in total poverty while uh, uh, Germany is uh, doing really well, and there is so much tension right now in the um, the European Union. And while it's easier to travel w- within Europe, still Europe is not as unified 
as the United States, because the United States is a country. You have yeah. different states, you have, and uh, this, um, for example, this happened in 2008, where the, the financial crisis happened in New York. When that happened, the president, the National Bank sat down and said, okay, we're going to bail out these loans you know like they probably broke so many rules in the book who knows how many and they solve uh the problem now texas whether texas wanted or not to pay it had to pay uh the bailout Mm -hmm. in in europe what happened is that um germany being so strong uh plays the the euro a certain level where it, it it kept the um it kept their price right to sell, but not too low to have low wages. Now, a country like Greece, that is more like Mexico than Europe, just because of how the terrain works, uh, it needed a lower, um, lower value for its currency. Now, uh, just in order to keep uh, workers. When you have that, uh, Greece then started to to borrow money from the European Union, mainly Germany, just to keep its, its, its the country together, right? But after 2008, we see that Germany doesn't doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to pay for the uh, for the bailout for uh, for Greece, and they're saying no, they're they're lazy. You know, the the, the narrative they took, they're lazy. My, uh, while the Greek perspective is that, well, okay, but we could not work that well because Germany, you're uh, you're taking control of the money. Therefore, you see that right now. Well, what I'm what I because what I'm hearing is that like. Uh, I mean, these are very similar problems that happen in the U.S. Like, it makes sense for it to be happening in the European Union because the European Union is this large conglomerate of separate entities that are coming together that operate with the same currency and follow a lot of the same basic institutions. Um, similar to, not not exactly the same, but similar to how the United States is a country of states. It's a it's a it's a series of states coming together to, to, that have their own state governments, but then also operate under a federal government. And so when you, you when you say something like uh, Texas having to pay for something that happened to New York and then Greece having to pay for something that's happening in Germany. Yeah, that makes that makes sense to me because and then like and then and then when you bring up like when you brought up like Brexit earlier, like uh, the UK, I mean, well, not the UK, but England is not like England is not part of the European Union. They can do something like Brexit because they're they're they've stayed their own entity and not haven't have really joined in with the European Union just yet. Yeah, but. But that is that is the point. That's the uh, that's the point. Is that anyone in 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 anyone in Europe, uh, anyone in Europe can opt out of the European Union. Mm-hmm. No one in the United States can opt out of being a, a part of the United States. God, but God, they've so, tried. They're trying so hard. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. They, I mean, but there was a war. There was the Civil War. Yeah, but you know, back in the mid 1800s, no, 1800s, yeah. yeah. And so, um, <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> like, there's like, going to be a civil war in the, in the twenty in the twenty twenties. <laughs> it's like, wow, well, we're here to predict that now. Um, uh, I hope not. No, okay. Um, so, look, uh, the European Union is not a country; it's yeah. a trade union. The Monetary policy, and I, uh, I, I'm, I hope I'm writing this, but the monetary policy is held in Brussels, but the fiscal 
No, no, no. The, the fiscal policy is, is called is held in Brussels. So they, they tell you why you're gonna, uh, how you how you're gonna get, how you can get bo- uh, money borrowed. But the monetary policy is held within each different country. So you you don't have a unified a unified a unified uh, country there. You have just a trade union. And, yeah, and unfortunately. The- and so from what, I, from what I understand, unfortunately, like if something like you said, like Germany, if something is going well in Germany and that brings up the the value of the euro, it can have a it can have a detrimental impact on the economy of a country like Greece because they because they they can't keep up essentially. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that means that. Uh, so. Now, the ones that are suffering the most are Greece. They have, what, like 30% unemployment. And the, these are numbers based on the, like, you can compare them to the Great Depression in the 1929. This, you know, I think that in the U.S. at least was 25% unemployment. Greece is like 29. And I'm thinking, like, I mean, since this episode is about geopolitics, does Germany, ha- uh, do you think Germany has like a natural advantage existing in a trade union because of their position in Europe? Like Germany is surrounded by countries on all sides. Like it has plenty of options considering what it can do for the trade. And then Greece is probably a little bit more limited to that degree. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, but let's, let, let's look at uh, what is called the, the German question. Germany is located on the um, central, no, on the north part of the central uh, central Europe. And it has the most fertile land, the most plain land, and the best rivers of, of Europe. I think it has like three rivers. Uh, and just as I mentioned before, uh, rivers uh, make trade so easy. Fertile land makes a lot of food. And the plains, because there are plains, uh, you know, the, the, the great European plain, makes it that you, uh, that, Germany is so difficult to defend, right? So anything, so anything that Germany does, and I think this is because of their people. Like they're so good. If, if you have met any Germany, any German person, I have met uh, some in college. They're very, um, very meticulous. They're very good to organize themselves. Because they have to be, you know. Because knowing, knowing, knowing that your interaction with another nation kind of leaves your belly open because they're so easy to say attack um you have you have to be you have to be able to cover all the details and cover your back as much as possible yes exactly so now they're very unified and they're very strong and when they're strong and and this has been true for all almost all of like history in europe right because germany i mean like the 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 uh the English monarchy comes from Germany. Like Germany was this big swathing European nation. Like the Rome, the Rome when the Romans were taking over all of Europe, like they were, they they became Germanic. They were they were they it was the the primary the, the big the biggest nations in the world started in Germany to some yeah. degree. Yeah, exactly, and and that's because of uh, the geo- uh, the geographical features of ge- Germany. Just, just this, they're just so rich, and so when they get so rich, they get so powerful, and they probably need to expand, uh, either geographically or militarily or uh, economically, right? So you and you have these factors that um, the problem of Europe is the problem of Germany that 
Germany is so strong, but it has to expand. It's not like you have mountains to to keep uh, Germany together. No, it expands just by na the nature of the valley. And so that makes Germany to be able to take advantage of uh, monetary policy like in this moment, right? But for example, now we're going to Greece. Greece, if you look at, uh, at a map of Greece, is a lot of islands and it's a lot of mountains. That's why you have Sparta, you have Athens, like great uh, uh, naval powers when when the the city uh the city states was uh was the um the biggest power yeah i played assassin's creed odyssey i'm totally aware <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, so now but uh so but so like what i understand so be, it, it allowed for a lot of the cities in greece a lot of the powers in greece to remain isolationist right because yeah. they were separated by mountains there wasn't as much unity across the country exactly exactly and because there's mountains it's hard to to yeah it's hard, it's hard to make trade and it's hard to connect with other people and because you have mountains then you don't have uh, you don't have the valleys to to cultivate you don't have the rivers to trade within you so greek is uh just like mexico is very unstable by itself so try to bring up greece to the level of germany ignoring this uh the geographical location and ignoring how people are not as integrated in their own country as germans are makes this clash between germany and, and greece just by the nature of the of that people are not integrated and that geography doesn't work for greece yeah uh people you can't you can't treat these different countries like they're the same because they're operating under different circumstances it's harder for it, it was hard it's been harder for thousands of years for people in greece to talk to each other yes exactly. as opposed to, as opposed to some other places and so and so and so they need a leg up they need they need empathy they need people to understand that hey can you guys give us a leg up or something like that can you like give, give us give us a chance um yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing you find all over the place. Like, th just lack of uh, treat, treating equality and equity is a th is a thing that a lot of people get confused, right? Because you can treat everybody equally, but that doesn't change the fact that some more than others are starting with less. They're starting with they're they're starting with less to work with, and so you could treat everybody equally and give everybody a fair shot but already some germany germany is already ahead of is already ahead of the pack compared to compared to greece uh caucasian folks in america are already ahead of the pack when it comes to like black people other other better examples that if i was smarter i could probably come up with <laughs> those kind of things yeah exactly um because i mean you i know you want to talk about empathy and how and how why that is so important in subject matter like this and trying to figure out like why things go is it i mean is it is do you think do you think things go bad because of a lack of empathy because people aren't trying to understand each other yeah uh exactly uh i think um Yes, uh, the lack of empathy brings a lot of um, a lot of problems because then, just like the example of Greece, you, you you're saying, um, or many people, no, I'm not saying you, but many people say that, oh, it's because they're lazy, or um, which is another stereotype about Mexico. Which, yeah, exactly, and and if we look at Mexico. It's, 
it's like Greece. There is so many mountains and the, the pockets of uh, of arable land are separated. Yeah, for hundreds and hundreds of years, people, it was just hard for people to talk to each other. Yeah, and so now uh, when you have this lack of empathy to, uh, to understand that, okay, uh, it's not that Greece people are lazy, you know, that German people, like there's a lot of German people that are, have to be lazy. There is a lot of Americans that are lazy, just like Mexican people are lazy. You know, there has to be a lot of, you know, uh, like Mexican, uh, there's people of Mexico that are lazy, but there's also a lot of people from Mexico that are hardworking, just like Americans are hardworking, just like Germans have people hardworking, just like Greeks, Greek people have hardworking people. But if when we, we, we don't have that empathy that to put, to, uh, to put, ourselves in the shoes of other people then we start blaming them for what they're going through or we're still being afraid of them for what with uh what, what we think they're gonna take away from us right so yeah yeah i mean yeah this is something that i've been saying for i try i i think i consider myself an empathetic person i can't really say that for myself but i try to some degree whatsoever because we like even on an individual level you can't compare your struggle to someone else's. You can never do that. You can't. You can't say, "Well, I, like you can't." You you can have a shitty. You can have a shitty life and have found yourself in a better place, and you can't say, "Well, I did all this. I did all that work. Why can't they do the same thing?" Like I'm sure, because I'm sure. Uh, yeah, the U.S. does it all the time. The U.S. says we're the best. We went through all this, all this stuff, all all this, um, all these wars and all and all these problems to become a country, one of the most powerful nations in the world. I'm sure Germany to some degree. I'm sure there's plenty of Germans in the European Union who are like, well, Germany has this complicated history, but like we're we we but we've been around forever. Germanic, Germanic culture is is has been super important for the progress of society, right? Like, why can't Greece? I'm sure people are like, why can't Greece do the same? thing why can't mexico do the same thing and it's like because it's not the same like you just want to say you just want to grab those people by the shoulders and just be like because they're not the same (laughs) (laughs) they're operating under entirely it's an entirely different situation you can't compare one person's struggle over another because 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 you just you just can't you there's no there's no there's uh it's one of those things where like people say uh, one of the biggest uh, things that people are worrying about today is um, the canceling of student loans, right? Uh, yeah. The, the basically the only argument I hear about it against canceling student loans is, well, I paid off all my student loans, so now they have to pay off all their student loans, which is stupid. <laughs> I, I, because you're saying, oh, I had to do this terrible, terrible thing, and the only way that they can really get up to my level is if they also have to do this terrible, terrible thing, which, which is a dumb thought because I've always believed that like, if if you can afford to give a leg up to the people who need it most, I mean, the rising tide picks up all ships. It'll make it'll be better for everyone overall if everyone is is if everyone is is given the opportunity to get up to the same levels everybody else and that does not mean having to go through the same struggles um i think i think america has like a bad um 
history of like whenever some new group is introduced into the workforce they're always the ones that get get the shit for it right like uh in during the industrial age it was like irish and italians had to do their thing then it was black people then it was then it was uh, latin latinx immigrants and then it, and then it was then it was people from the middle east like it's a stupid stupid thing where there's like a hazing ritual whenever a new group is introduced into society they have to become they have to start on the bottom of the ladder like everybody else did which is dumb yeah and i think that uh, as um as different uh people are able to establish themselves here in the states i mean sadly they tend to forget what their past uh um their previous like you know their parents their grandparents and so on like had to live through in order to to be at the level they are now and um because yes i think that uh is just very simple to not empathize to um with other people, just like you mentioned about the student loans, like <laughs> uh, we have now, what is uh, the boomers like, oh no, back in my day when I was uh, going to school, I had to like travel like 3000 miles walking and or, under the rain. And I don't know what many things they say, but it's like, yeah, now you guys are being lazy and no, yeah, I mean, dumb. in a certain way, uh, I mean, yeah, education has become easier to access. But also that, that that brings up challenges that now uh, the value of um, of a degree devalues as most uh, as more people get educated. Degrees, educated, yeah. And and at the same time, um, you know, it's like it's very um, it's very easy to judge. And when we're judging, I think um, I, I I said this on a previous podcast. And it was such a good metaphor that I'm proud that I that I was so proud that I said it. And I'm gonna I'm saying this. I'm, I'm not gonna cut this out of the podcast because I want people to know how proud I am of this metaphor. But it's like it's like learn it's like learning it's like when your parents teach you how to swim, right? Uh-huh. Um, a very popular way to teach your kids how to swim is just just throw them into the deep end of the pool and 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 watch them learn for themselves right and yeah. a lot of the parent a lot of the parents who do that will be like well that's how my grandfather that's how my father taught me how to swim that's how his father taught him how to swim and it's like no teach me teach me how to swim take my ex- take give me your experience and i'll take what i know and i'll combine them and i'll be a better swimmer than any of us ever were <laughs> they, like <laughs> there's there's no point there they're like it's there's no point in like trying to get everybody to suffer through the same uh tribulations just to ju- just to bring them up to like the the way it's always been no combine our efforts work together get everybody on the same get everybody on the same page and give the next generation a leg up and 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 things will be better all around for everybody across the board yeah and i think that you mentioned something uh, um it's like we cannot we cannot keep things the same uh, uh and that's like another thing from geopolitics that that is very important is like uh, uh change is always constant and the, the 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 funny part is that everyone is surprised that the the, the permanent uh, the uh the uh, the permanent doesn't stay there. It keeps changing. Um, Fuck the status quo. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the, the, the status quo is going to change no matter what. And I think, uh, um, I think we as society will be less suffering less if we were empathetic and understand that change in the economy is going down troubles are part of history are you know this this thing with trump is 
uh, nothing new. Uh, similar issues were happening in the 1960s where um, you have a lot of social changes and then there was a big... Um, uh, Ch- like, a, cha- like, a cha- like a challenging of the status quo? Yeah. Uh, we have there that uh, in the 60s where... Uh, the Republicans shifted to be the the ones that are uh, conservative, the and the Democrats became the liberals, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so the the point is that change is going to happen no matter what. Yeah, these things have these things happen on a pendulum. It's a pendulum swing, and right now we're probably on right where the swing is at its peak, where things at the at the most chaotic things are. Um, things are up all over the place and they can go anywhere and then it won't be until that swing comes back around that things tend to calm down but then it'll swing back up again like there's like it's a it, it is it is a part of a cycle but I think it is the responsibility and you can challenge me hey, in my defense this is the name of the show but you can challenge me on this but I do think it's kind of like a responsibility of the people to be aware of these kind of like pendulum swings and to make sure that these times when the times are bad for the most people make uh, when times are bad and when i mean when i say they're bad maybe i'm not mean bad for everybody but bad for the largest population right like whatever if if more people have it bad than good then we're in a bad place so uh, we want to make sure that those periods of time when that happens want to be as short as possible and i think that is something that we have some control over am i wrong uh, you might not be. I know. I know you may. This is a matter of opinion, but I, but uh, this is this is my show. I need someone to prove. I want someone to tell me I'm right. <laughs> please, please tell me I'm right. Uh, I mean, in my defense, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't honestly. I don't know how long this is gonna take. Uh, looking at uh, your political perspective, I mean, I wish to know, but this is a process. Uh, it's probably going to take years, uh, maybe this uh, this decade that is going to be really hard just because of the economic problem, the society problem. And now that we have the uh, the random uh, throw of dice called coronavirus. So this um, this problem is going to it's going to take years to to recover from. And. So it's like right now, for me, this is very important to cover uh, the geopolitical says like this is going to happen uh, whether you want it or not. So when once you accept that this is going to happen, you're going to uh, you can decide what to do. It's like, OK, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to engage or I'm going to save money or, you know, you, you can change your perspective of, uh, of what can you do to have a better life. In spite of, despite of this, uh, of this turmoil that is happening, and I think that yeah, that's main, the main thing is like just accept that this is gonna happen and go with your life, you know. Um, because at the end of the day, you cannot you cannot change people. Uh, people are gonna go and you know the, we're gonna fight for why for what they believe is right, even though they're wrong. I'm going to do it, Miss A.L. I'm going to change everybody. One episode of a podcast at a time, I am going to put my voice out there on the internet and convince everybody to be nice to each other. I will do it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and if it happens, I want to be on your right side. <laughs> uh, I hope I'm on the right side. Who knows? My biggest fear is that like by the time I... like People, people always say that... Uh, uh, like you, when you're young, you'll be liberal, but then as you get older, you'll be conservative. Um, and, and 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 but I, I'm I'm hope I'm hoping that 
I am my version of whatever conservative uh, conservative is that I am now. Where I'm just gonna where conservative just means super liberal, and then there's gonna be some new next level uh, liberal when I'm 80 years old and I'm yelling at kids because they uh, they they because they want to have they because they want to have sex with a computer or something like that. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so in my days we used to watch. <laughs> we didn't. In, <laughs> well, yeah. In my days, the computer was a tool. Now it's not. Now it's your girlfriend, and I'm against it. Um, so, Miss Al, uh, do you do you have any like major thoughts on uh, as we're kind of like teaming up to the end of what this episode will be? Do you have any like major thoughts on politics? Like, I think that message you just put out there was a good one. Well, maybe not a good one. It wasn't very hopeful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although I I understand where you're coming from because it's a it's a release, right? Like it's 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 uh it's people it's it's a way to like de-stress because like oh yeah this is just the way things are i i don't need to worry about it i can live my life the way i want to because things because because we're working on a cycle here and this one might be particularly particularly in the negative just depending on your perspective but as long as i do my thing i try to help out the people around me if i can help other people that i may not know do what i can to help out just society in general things will work out eventually and then they'll go bad but then they'll work out again then they'll go bad then they'll go then they'll work out again yeah that's just a natural way of things uh uh, things work then they don't work and then we have people on the streets and then we have like a a lot of um uh, progress and then we have uh, a pushback of conservatives and then it's like this this is this is just natural history of mankind so um, I think uh, for me, uh, at least for me, <laughs> it's helpful to understand. Okay, like this is just gonna happen, whether I want it or not. So I'm just gonna, I'm just just gonna ride the um, the waves. Uh, doesn't you know? Doesn't really matter because uh, things are gonna happen either way. Um, my opinion on what is happening right now. Well, uh, what so on the on the scope of geopolitics, Like, is there any major like? geopolitical event that exists today like I remember like when we were first going to record this one of the big stories that was happening was like the 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 ban on the TikTok app right Mm -hmm. Uh, and and America using using that using it as an excuse to like do something against China like it was there it was kind of like a fuck you to China in a little bit because the the original the 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 company the company that that created the app is based in China but it has an American CEO so whatever but uh, just think about like any like major events that are happening today uh in this episode is going to probably going to come out like three weeks after we're recording but are there any events that are happening today that that you're that you're just keeping an eye on ones 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 that the ones that have caught your call your interest lately uh, if not you just say no and then we'll just yeah, move yeah, on yeah no, um well uh i guess i get the chinese um well uh, there is uh yeah the, uh the i can i can talk to you about the chinese problem right is now it a pro- is it a problem or is it just like one other country kind of like just doing their thing like is is china making its way to become like the next america where they're just going to bully their way into like becoming the most powerful nation ever it wishes to but it can't it definitely can't um if, if we look at um at a chinese map uh we see that the east part of china is you know with the in the china sea so this is a very powerful trading uh area when when we look at the west uh we see mountains we see uh we see deserts and we see the the water 
the lakes in uh, the uh, Everest Mountains, uh, Tibet, Tibet in, in the Tibet area. And so that area is very, very, um, very poor. You know, it's like, like another Mexico, another Greece. So what you have in China is a competition between the east side, which becomes very prosperous by trading with the outside, and the west side that... West side. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> and the west side that is always poor, but is needed to protect the east side. So, and that's where you have, you, if, if, you, if, if we just look at this part of the geography, you, we can see the history of China. Dynasty after dynasty after dynasty. Uh, uh, bringing up China together into a very strong military dictatorship and breaking apart. Again, mm-hmm. another dynasty, dictatorship, breaking apart. And so what is happening right now in China uh, with Xi Jinping, it's the same thing right now. A uh, couple of years, he discovered there is corruption in China. <laughs> uh, right? You know, it's like, um, and no, it's what is happening is he's, um, he's destroying his enemies because he sees that right now China is probably go, go, going back again into the history of breaking up. Now, what is happening is uh, with the uh, with the United States, we have to understand something. Uh, before the 1980s, uh, U.S. manufacturing was, uh, you know, in the Midwest, uh, Chicago um, and Detroit, the most known per, uh, place to be destroyed by, um, you know, um, by the companies leaving Midwest going to China, right? Right. So. When when these uh, trade between China and the United States happen, both countries benefited really well. The U.S. got cheaper products and easier to uh, to get products to middle class. Chinese people got uh, more, uh, more money and more ways to industrialize their uh, their country. But there is a problem. The, the problem in the United States is that people, the regular Karen who just wants to talk to the manager is losing her job because Chinese manufacturing is so cheap or was so cheap. In in China, the problem is that they their sole economy became so dependent on the the United States that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work internally. So we have this problem that started with Obama, say uh, saying that don't, uh, that the U.S. needs to be able to enter the Chinese market because Chinese are very protective of their own market. Why? Because they need to keep producing themselves. They cannot buy. They need to produce just because of how you know. Uh, just because how China how China is the the geography. And China saying, I cannot let you into my market because if you, I let you into my market, then you're going to break it apart. And if you break apart my market, then I'm going to go back to the end of the dynasty. So what is happening right now between China and the U.S. is this trade war where the U.S. wants China to open up so it can sell to China so it can have more workers working, more Karens working instead of talking to the manager. And China, uh, and China saying, I can all open to you because if I open to you, uh, Shanghai, uh, Hong Kong will be more tied to you than to, to Beijing. And they will want to break apart. Okay. 
Um, that's that, that. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to think about it. Where like. And again, I did the stupid thing where I wasn't considering the geography of China. But yeah, like there, we have this super large country where most people live, where just literally most people in the world are in China. (laughs) And not only that, but like the other third of the people also live like right under China. And so you have this, you have this super large country divided up by mountains that is all, but is also surrounded by several other powerful countries. And like... Like yeah, I'm I'm just thinking I'm just concerned now. Like yeah, America just got super lucky that is that we have we have Mexico under us and Canada above us and like and like there's really no one to challenge uh, the states as there is like as it is for China where China is always kind of like in constant like defense and offense like they want to become more powerful but they've also got to spend a lot of resources just trying to like talk to each other and to keep other people out. Yeah, and 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 and, and let's talk uh, for the, uh, a little bit of U.S. geography uh, because the reason the U.S. is so powerful is the geography. Um, uh, because uh, you know, with um, China cannot rise and has to rise about four times larger, and the U.S. economy not not grow up a lot uh, 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 at all, right? And because I. I um, and I want to say this because it's also empathizing with the U.S. Okay, it's not that U.S. like has the the, the best people and the best constitution. And it's hell no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that at all. <laughs> and so when when we have the U.S. right, if, if you look at the map of the U.S., you have the East Coast and the West Coast, but the core of the U.S. is the Mississippi Basin. Which is kind of like the center east of the. It's a giant, just a giant river that goes all the way from the bottom to the top. Well, it's not just a. It's just not a river. It's a, a network of rivers mm-hmm. that are navigable all the way up to like South Carolina and all of that. You know, you can just like say hi to the <laughs> president faces on a boat. You know, technically, um, and you have um, right like uh, this arable land that makes a, like it's the largest chunk of land in the world so you have the, this land that produces so much food so much capital as i mentioned before rivers makes it so easy to trade and you have that people in in the mississippi basin they understand each other really well they they um they connect with, with each other really well so that makes that uh uh the united states very easy to um uh, or uh, to capitalize very cheaply, right? Uh, on the north, you have the Great Lakes. On the south, you have the uh, Sonoran Desert. And of course, on the east and west, you have the, um, the uh, Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. The, this makes it that the United States is not only the richest country, the easiest to make capital of, but also the most protected country in the world. So that means that the, the focus of the United States is to 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 prevent any army to come and uh, attack the core. Therefore, the United States, with all the capital that it has and the location of that it has, because it's away from Europe, it, it, it created the, the largest navy in the world to, pro- to protect itself. Not that China didn't want to, it's just that China can't do that. And so the United States, you, you see that it is uh, expansionary um, militaristic craziness that happens in the United States has a logic behind it to protect the, the core. 
And, you know, like treats Mexico as the backyard and uh, Canada as the front yard. As a friendly neighbor, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Okay, well, I think what I've learned out of this conversation is that mountains are a bitch. Um, Yes. So I'm going to walk away with this conversation with just that. Miss Yael, this was a terrific conversation. You've been a terrific guest. I think it's totally possible that we can just do an entire another episode based on this subject. So if you ever want to come back, have an urge to come back and talk about uh, some of the thing that might be uh, bugging you about geopolitics, feel free. Let me know. Uh, if there are folks who want to follow you online or engage with you, do you have do you have any kind of like social media that you'd like to share, or or are you just gonna or are you just gonna disappear and come back on this podcast next time we want to talk about this? I'll probably disappear and come back. Uh, I mean, I have a. I mean, I don't. Uh, I have a Facebook and a YouTube, but I don't really post anything, honestly. Uh, this is more for me just being a geek and, hey, <laughs> uh, let, let, let me geek about uh, geopolitics. So I thank you because of that. that that's that's exactly what I'm here for. <laughs> and um, I mean, maybe we can just uh, advertise uh, Community Clutter Bay. The... Oh, yeah, the Clutter Bay Community Theater where me and Miss A.L. first met. Uh, we do improv. You can see me and Miss A.L. usually on Monday nights over Zoom nowadays because of, you know, the plague. Uh, teaching improv to anybody who would like to engage with us on that platform. Uh, you can find Clutter Bay Community Theater on Facebook. Clutter Bay Plays on Instagram. Reach out, folks, if you want to just see my face playing pretend and see Miss A.L.'s face also playing pretend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Miss A.L., it was a lot of fun talking to you, buddy. Love you so much. Let's get into the outro. Thank you. That is the episode, folks. I don't want to waste too much of your time while I'm here sounding very terrible. So just some reminders. A big thank you to Miss Ayel for being on the show. Lovely to have him on. We'll be glad to have him back on. If you have any feedback for the episode, feel free to send feedback to InMyDefensePodcast at gmail.com. Interest in the show or being on the show, feel free to check out InMyDefensePodcast.com. For all details regarding that, please leave a five-star rating on iTunes. Give us a review, too. We're very lacking in that department, if I'm one to say so myself, and I host the show. Uh, Also, there will not be another episode next week, but like I said, we will not go more than one week without new episodes coming out. I promise you that. That is a promise from here on out. So it may not be next week, but we will see another geek on the In My Defense podcast. Oh, and by the way, For all you Avatar The Last Airbender fans, we have a little something special for you after the music finishes. Check it out.
So, okay, so about Avatar The Last Airbender, which is the show where the geopolitics play heavily into the pl- just like even the plot and the character and the character of the show, which is I think is one of the things that you very rarely see. So you watched the show for the first time this year, right? Because of Netflix? Yeah, I, I watched it because of Netflix and um ironically thanks to the pandemic that i didn't have much to do <laughs> and i loved it and just like when i watched and like learning about your politics like oh my god this makes so much sense what they're putting in the show is like wow um and because because like you have because i mean you have like these four nations that exist on this world and like for anybody that hasn't seen the show it's an entirely new world of people that have powers based off of where they were born to control the elements and and in like the, the in the main crux of the show in the very first in the very first series in Avatar the Last Airbender the Fire Nation which is this nation made of people who live on an archipelago um, basically starts colonizing the entire wants to colonize the entire world and and yeah like the amount of thought that i think the writers put into um, the storytelling and what the geopolitics mean for all that kind of stuff because it's very it's very much like my favorite thing in improv and my favorite thing in storytelling is like, if this is true, then what else is true, right? You have this entire nation of people who can make fire with their hands, right? So, okay, yeah. that makes, so what that means that if this series is going to take place in a somewhat feudal medieval style world, the people who can create fire with their hands will probably be able to access industry a lot sooner than everybody else. They'll have better technology. Um, they'll be able to prosper more based off, based off depending on the resources that exist in their country. But of course, because they live in an archipelago, they have to expand. They have to grow and expand. They get this idea of fire nation exception, exceptionalism and like not only do they need to spread their their uh, their nation to other nations but that their culture to other nations but they also need to spread their their wealth right it's, it's it's how you justify a war you 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 say oh yeah we're better than everybody else so we we're, we'd only be helping them by trying to conquer them is how that kind of nation works is that kind of like how you felt about the series oh exactly i think it's it's just lo- it's like lovely how you put it like they needed to expand and i think uh the fire nation was based on Japan. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're all they're all yeah they're all based on uh, separate, um, like like the 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 water the the water nations are based off uh, the water tribes are based off of like Inuit peoples. The Earth nations based off of China. The the air nomads are kind of like a Buddhist kind of monk vibe to them. Yeah, and so I think uh, something that I didn't get to mention in the podcast is, and something that is very true. Uh, in the outside world, uh, in the real world, just as in the avatar world, is okay. We need to expand. We need to get more, um, more uh, resources. We need to get more. Um, uh, we need to get more land. And in order to do that, in order to get people mindset to do that, like to get an entire nation uh, to go to war. You have to create a narrative of we are the best, they're the worst. We we need to get um we need to get land. So these these guys need. We're to helping be, them. We're only helping, we're helping them by them. trying to conquer. Exactly, them. we're helping them. So uh, it's like um, <laughs> I was talking with Marina that uh, I got to um, kind of kind of started to to watch some videos about uh, the World War Two, and I got to watch. Um, 
a video of a, uh, of a Hitler speech, uh, subtitles in Spanish. Uh, you should understand uh, what is the craze about Hitler. And I mean, it's like um, he just, um, it's very simple language, but very constructive narrative of we're the good people, they're the bad, we need we need to get the land, so we teach them, or, we, you know, we cleanse it. So, like, with, with Avatar, it's like the, the Fire Lord is like has this, this uh, narrative, and I think you can see it even in, um, what is it, the third season where they're in the Fire Nation? Yeah, yeah, and they're teaching kids, they're teaching kids, like, kind of like a like a, a false history sort of where the air nomads were the ones who were aggressive towards the fire nation and, 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 and them just being super limiting on like how much information is accessible to just like the general population of the fire nation. Cause they're, yeah, they're trying to establish a narrative that if, cause, because if they just told everybody, no, I want to take over the world because I deserve it because I'm the best person in the world. There will be plenty of people within, even within that nation who will be like, no, what? No, you crazy. Stop. Yeah, exactly. So, so they create this narrative, especially in children, like, okay, you guys are the best. Uh, you are, uh, you like, um, was trying to, um, like the fire nation is the strongest, therefore has to control everything just for it to be perfect and and so you have these um, behind uh behind the story the 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 story of ang and uh prince Zuko and the fire lord you have these geopolitics of we need more resources and um <laughs> uh, also like uh the earth nation like the, the last Earth nation uh, standing is uh, protecting themselves, but also creating this narrative of like, oh, there is no war here. Yeah, yeah, they because yeah, they have to totally ignore things. Because again, the you can tell that in the writing of the show, the geography of the world was a very important decision they had to make. Right, the Earth nation is spread out across this wide continent that is divided by a gigantic desert. Right, so yeah. again, community communication is very difficult between that's why there's so many different kings across the earth nation is because they're not unified right the water tribe is literally split up by the by different poles like one on the north pole and one in the south pole the air nomads exist across several temples across the entire world and they and a lot of them don't even like spend a lot of time there they travel the world on their own the only nation that was unified was the fire nation and yes they exist on across a bunch of islands but because of their innate abilities to create fire, they were able to traverse those islands very quickly and be able to communicate with each other. So the nation, so the Fire Nation, was the most unified. They were the ones that were able to uh, take them take advantage of that unification and 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 excel in technology. And then that made it just all the more easier for them to spread across the world. Uh, faster than anybody else could because the other nations were just not really capable of fighting back because they weren't as unified as the Fire Nation was. Yeah, exactly. Because when we look at the um, at the South, the North Pole, uh, you know, the water tribes, what resources could they have? You yeah. know, uh, what resources could they have? And um, and probably uh, and also the Earth, uh, the Earth Nation or the Earth Nations were you know divided. 
And so they have they have enough resources to hold against the fire nation for a long time. And the air nomads, just by their nature of being, you know, air like, you know, like you know, that like I, I don't think like they even like they're that unified as an entity, like, as a um, yeah, they weren't even. Yeah, they weren't even necessarily like they were more a culture. They weren't necessarily like a, a, a country or a an actual government by their own rights because it was just kind of they were just a bunch of people that like to hang out together together and and fly and fly. <laughs> they just like to fly together. Yeah, and um, it's like it's like just like like some monks like hanging together, you know, with air, and then you know you have the um, like that's why it's so easy to take. Um, the earth uh, i mean the uh, the air uh, the air nomads yeah nomads. Uh, did you did you uh, get into legend of korra at all um i have i think i'm in the middle of the third season um i love the third season it's probably my favorite one out of the four but i think you are going to love season 4 mm Season four gets very much into the geopolitics of the Earth Nation to like a very, very heavy degree. Wow. You know, you know, something that I like about the Legend of Korra is that it's more, um, more localized the issues. Like it's not this big geopolitical thing that happened in Avatar, but it's more like this city political, it's more political. Legend of Korra is more political to the local, to the city than. Yeah. Uh, than Avatar, and I, I and I like that because um, what uh, uh, Legend of Korra was like 2012, right? When it came out, around there, yeah, it was a few years after uh, the last Airbender ended, but um, but yeah, uh, I think. For season three and four, they definitely expand on the world a little bit and leave the main Republic City. But I think season three, I love season three most because of the philosophy of that season. Mm -hmm. That season was the one that was like very, or I mean, I think that season was, it wasn't called Spirit. I think it was, it was, it might have been, it was, I forgot what it was called, but it was, it's, it's, I don't know if it's War or Chaos or something like that, book three, but um, book four is about a single and and they they hint at it in season three so watch out for a certain someone but in season four season four is about a leader in the earth a military leader in the earth nation attempting to unify all the different provinces across using what happened in america a railroad because how do you how do you help a, a large landmass communicate with each other? You create a form of transportation to, to bring them all together, which is which where is where season four goes with it. So, yeah, I think you're really gonna enjoy it. Yeah, actually, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's great. Season two of Legend Core is not very great. It has some really cool moments, but um, that was more. Uh, that was more because of uh, executive production getting too heavily involved in the narrative of the story. But yeah, I just want to get that out there as a rant. This will go in as an extra thing at the end of the episode <laughs> because there's really not many people to talk. Like I can't like, like uh, I can't, I haven't seen my friends in eight months. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, it's amazing to geek out about these kind of things with friends. So I love it. 